The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasu, your host. And today I am welcoming Roseanne Luth, who is the CEO and founder of Luth Research. Welcome, Roseanne. Thank you, Seema. Nice to be here. Thank you for being here. I am just in awe of you. I mean, you're celebrating 45 years of your business, of starting your business. This is the 45th year anniversary for you. Is that right? Yeah, it is. It seems like only yesterday, but then again, it seems like a lifetime. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. You know, it's you don't hear of these stories that often anymore. You, you know, a lot of what we hear about is companies that, you know, they're built and they're sold and it's a little bit of short term. It's not even short term, but like, you know, the gratification of building and selling a company. What is the key to your staying power? What has been the key to your staying power of being in business for 45 years? Well, I'm quite stubborn. (laughs) That always helps. You know, Seema, when I started the business, it was so different than things are today. So after you called or you set this up, I thought, oh my gosh, how can I go back and try to remember how it was so many years ago? Yeah. Um, But you know, you have to stay focused and you have to be committed. And I think I have those two things in spades. Yep. (laughs) I know that's just the way I'm built. And the rest of it falls into place. You learn as you go. You know, I have a couple of key things that I think are really important. Sure. And, you know, you have something that you start. And if you don't evolve, it's not going to, it's like raising children. If you don't right. evolve and do something different with the business as the world changes, then you'll be left behind. So true. Yeah. Let's go back to those early days. What, I mean, first of all, what inspired you to start your own company? Well, it was easier then. I will say that. It was much easier. Okay. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how it was a male-dominated world and all of mm-hmm. that. But I found that when I went out and told people I was going to start my own business, that they were helpful. So okay. I had kind of the opposite of maybe what some people complain about. And I wanted to do my own thing. You know, I worked for someone else for another small company for about eight years. Okay. So... You know, I was married early. I had, by the time I was 22, I had a baby and a three-year-old. Wow. Three-year-old, however Lisa was. That's kind of unheard of these days, but that's awesome. It it is, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. So when I started my business, I was like, you know, in my thirties. Right. So I, I was quite young. I had worked for someone else and I wanted to do it my way. And, you know, my husband, he had a job. Right. And so it was a little less of pressure of bringing home the bacon, so to speak. Sure. And, and so I, he's, you know, my kids, my kids were older and I told them I was going to do it. And they said, Oh, yay, mom, do it. Oh, that's so, so sweet. It is. It's nice having them. 
And so you start somewhere and you continue and, you know, you're flexible, Mm -hmm. driven, Mm -hmm. want to do a good job. You've got to have some kind of core values. Either you want to make money or you want to do a good job. I know everybody wants to do both, but you want to do a good job. Right. To be proud of what you do. And then I would say I always had a fallback. That's how I grew. You always have to say, you have to have an out. Right. And, and it was fun. It was fun. I loved it. We were doing things out of our home. We were doing taste test placements. I mean, it was such a different world that it's hard to explain. But I will tell you a good story when I started. You know, I was always in marketing. I went to school, I had kids, I was working, and I didn't know much about finances. And when the time came that I had, it was time to get a loan because right. we were doing, the business was growing. And I went to our small bank, who, by the way, had given my husband a loan when he started his business. He started his business a, a year after I started mine. And it was like, uh, he told him he needed it. He was doing a construction project and they gave it to him. So when I needed to a loan, I thought, well, this would be easy. And I went to the bank and he said, well, I need some financials and I need an aging report. And I went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't even know what an aging report was. Oh, wow. Was. Wow. But at the time, like I said, I had a lot of support. And the, I remember his name, it was Ron Montoro, my first person at the bank, the loan officer, I guess we still call him that today. Yes. He sat me down. He went over on the other side of his desk. Remember, we all had suits on. We had skirts right. on. Yes. <laughs> and he got a piece of paper and he lined it out for me. And he said, you go back and you do this and this and this and this and this. And you come back and see me. And I mean... All I had to do was ask and I had. That is so helpful. Yeah. So that's a good story. I remember Ron Montoro. That's great. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something really important there where Roseanne, you weren't embarrassed to ask the question. You let yourself be vulnerable and saying, can you help me understand this? I'm sure that was a lot of your journey along the way, just listening to you about your experiencing and trying to navigate the future. And, you know, Sammy, you, you can still do that today, really, although I had an advantage. I was young. I was female. Right. You know, there were no others. They thought I was. You were you unique. Know, like, very, very unique. And OK, let's help this little lady right. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So tell me, like, when you thought about the perceptions of gender early on, did it bother you or you didn't, it didn't even kind of go into your thinking? It's like, I'm just starting this business, you know, no matter what. And I'm not going to really be defined by the world around me. No, you're defined by, I think, what you do. And you have to stay true to yourself and who you are. Right. It was, you know, in when I started Luth Research, it was field-related business and all women were in the field. Yes. I mean, they were all the ones that were doing, you know, the task work. Right. And we all know what that is, right? Yes. Yes. So we would do the hard stuff Mm -hmm. and mostly for other market research companies. So it wasn't hard in my group and women were helpful. I would go to conferences and they would tell me things and I would go, oh my God, they would have stories. It it was great. Yes. So I had that, but I also had the male side of sort of men who were out there doing their thing. And my husband was busy doing his thing. Right. And I was supporting him as well. So we were kind of a family having a couple of businesses. I don't ever think of me sort of being, you know, like a minority right. female. So, okay. and maybe that's just me. That's just because I don't care. Mm-hmm. I know I can do it and I have right. confidence in myself. And it may always 
may not always be right, but I didn't feel maybe they talk about it so much nowadays. And I think, oh, that's old stuff for me. It never bothered me. Right. Sometimes it's it's how you perceive the world and how you go out there and do your thing. That's so true. Well, and I think it's a matter of how you spend your mental energy, right? In many ways, you could look at the world and, and with one lens, and that might prevent you from taking action towards your objectives. I don't know. It's complicated. I, I have two daughters and trying to, I definitely see the goodness in the world for the most part and opportunities yeah. versus saying, oh my gosh, this is just unfair and it's terrible. And, and there's a balance there and trying to share that perspective with the next generation is sometimes hard because I think they look at you and say, you're crazy. Yeah. I'm not sure. My girls are, I'm sure, older than yours. How old are yours? Mine are 18 and 12. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are good ages. Yes. They're off doing their own thing. Correct. Pretty pretty, (laughs) independent. Blinders on in a way. Yes. And of course, remember, I was already married by the time I was 19. So my life was a little bit different. Going back to daughters, you know, both my daughters work for me and it's the happiest time of my entire life. And they always had to, whether they wanted to or not. I love that. Yeah. Shape or form. (laughs) So I think what was helpful, and this is is a little bit off more on, you know, on the female side, when we're talking about gender here. Sure. We, we had a family that had their own business. My husband and I had our own business. Right. We even started a third business. So we both kind of worked in. And so it was a different conversation. Mm-hmm. We were not talking about, you know, how unfair things are and how right. we are and those things. It was always suck it up and get out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. And I think that's helpful to, you know, to have that exposure when children are growing up and understanding kind of how the real world works as it relates to building and growing a business. Roseanne, you obviously, you mentioned you started kind of in the field work sector, but your business has evolved to your point. You had to evolve to stay in business and grow and develop. Can you share some of those areas of investments that you had to make over the course of you know, the last 45 years that you kind of look at and say, man, if I didn't make that decision, you know, we might have not been here. That's right. I say that all the time too. And you wonder how you got from where you are now or where I was then to the next kind of phase. Yes. And fortunately or unfortunately, I was always successful early on in changing the methodologies and what we were doing and how we had to support those changes. So when I started a phone room, we had to get into technology, not very much, but a little bit with the phone system and knowing how to run that and understanding that, which was, which was really great fun. Right. But my first big launch was, was the panel. I mean, I had lots of friends in the business Mm -hmm. and they, I went to them and I said, you know, I'm going to, start a panel. We have to go online. Mm-hmm. And it was very early on, Zima. And they said to me, you're nuts. And I said, oh, I must be doing the right thing. Then. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, I saw, I was watching the business. You know, I always have this fear of being obsolete. Yeah. So if I look around me and I say, what am I doing now? And will I be here in five years? Mm-hmm. Or will I be able to keep people working in five or 10 mm-hmm. years? That's when you realize you better start 
to make a change. Right. And it doesn't have to be a major change. Like today, people are going into entrepreneurs are starting this brand new business and they're, they have nothing to fall back on. I always had something to fall back on. Right. You know, we still had our focus group facility and we were still doing field work. But when I started online, I just took a section of the company and they always say you should take a portion mm-hmm. of your business and invest in something new. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a small portion. I remember when I went home and talked to my husband, I said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do something online. Sometimes I think he still doesn't know what I do, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start something online and we're going to do surveys online. And I was telling him about how I was going about doing it. And he said, okay, let me get this right. You're going to hire, you're going to spend a million dollars. You're going to hire someone from India. Yeah. You can barely understand <laughs> who knows who talks about technology and you don't understand any of that. And you're going to go into a new business. I was oh like, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Doesn't it sound great? <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we started and it was, you have to be flexible. You have to right. back up and look at the way things are done. And we were extremely successful. In fact, we were so successful. It was, it was hard. We doubled our revenue in two years. Most of it was online, but when you start out, you have to be a trainer and a teacher and go out and tell people what you're doing and why. Yeah. And it takes time. It takes it a couple of years. Yeah. So that's exactly what I've done every single time we've mm-hmm. changed. When we started doing digital, I mean, nobody was doing digital, mm-hmm. but we had, we had an opportunity and that I couldn't pass up. Google came to us, DirecTV came to us and wanted us to do something. We had a partner in technology and they dropped the ball. And I said, Oh, let me try. <laughs> and so we got very early on, we got smart about how to monitor and track people uh, with our own technology. That was the behavioral data. Yes. Yep. Yes. And I remember that early, you guys were very early into that space. Very early, but remember Seema, now that we've got all of this data, nobody wants it because they don't know what to do with they it. They don't know what so to do with it. My, I know all of my clients, all of my market research clients, to this day, some of them call us to help us with the digital part of the right. data because it's massive amount yes. of data. So there was a lot to learn, but we also had to bring in researchers who were very good at understanding data and yet being creative right. in using data in a, a different form of data. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot to do and you just hire one at a time and you go out there and you sell it. Mm-hmm. And it took us longer than two years, I'll tell you, it took about four years before we could double our revenue, or at least we were moving methodologies because our phone room is now closed. And so okay. those things are gone. So you're right, Seema, I wouldn't be here today had I not done that, had I not changed to a different format and a different form of delivering data and now delivering insights. Good for you. That's fantastic, Roseanne. And let me ask you, when you talk about you know, you allocate a certain percentage to innovation or, or absolute dollars towards innovation. What is your role in that innovation space? Like, are you the person who's leading the innovation? And then you have people who manage kind of the fallback or the core business. How does that work at your company? So I'm the one who, of course, makes the final decision. Although yes. I say I would never make a decision on my own uh, right. about certain things. I'm always the one that looks at the budget. I spend okay. a lot of time not starting out in financials or anything yes. like that. I'm very, very good at that and looking at it and deciding how much money I have to spend. Okay. And we okay. were right in the middle of you know, the digital 
who do I need and what do we have to do next? And how do we keep up with, you know, all of the devices that mm-hmm. we're tracking and then being able to host it and all of that. Then I bring everybody in, the people on the hardware side, the people on the software side and the data people to figure out what, I mean, it's not as organized as it sounds, but I sound like it doesn't come out like that. What do we have to do? I'm a little better at it. I'm a little more organized now. What do we have to do next year? How much do I have to spend? And what do we want to focus on? Those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But when you're just starting out, you say, do I have an extra million dollars here? Do I have an extra million dollars there? Where am I going to get it? How am I going to invest in my own business? And what'll happen if I don't? Looking back, I know sometimes it's hard, but I do feel like we learn so much from things that have not gone well. Are there points of history that you look back and say, man, I learned so much from that bet that did not pay off? Well, I make everything pay off. In, in one eventually, way. eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I did that I, that I wish I wouldn't have done. I can never look back and say I made a mistake. Okay. I think you can make a mistake every single day. Yes. And so I look at those as challenges. They help me learn and mm-hmm. get to the next bigger challenge that's coming up. Right. You know, maybe I'm not made that way where I wish I wouldn't have done it. But yeah, you know, when I started Savvy Shares, I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to start. I had a great idea that I'd had for years and something mm-hmm. I believed in. And then COVID came. So I right. wish I wouldn't have started that. Yeah. <laughs> And and so we spent a lot of money on it because of the legal and getting SEC compliance and Mm -hmm. getting approval. And it's still very expensive. And I think it was not timely with the, what happened with COVID and still it's happening by the way. Right. So it wasn't like a point in time. It was just timing. Yeah. Yeah. And you have no way of guessing that that's going, that's going to hit you. Yeah. Let's step back for a moment. Let's share with the listeners what Savvy Shares is. I love this idea and I think it bodes well for the future, but I'll let you share with listeners what is Savvy Shares. So Savvy Shares was, was, I was thinking about it for years and I did a little bit of paying back respondents. Mm -hmm. I always felt that respondents were doing something for free that we were making money on. That's true. That's exactly what they do Yep, and do it happily. So when we started Survey Savvy, we decided to pay everybody. It turned out to be a very good thing because we paid them by check. We could validate yep. them. They had something, you know, 35% of the, of the people don't cash their checks. Right. <laughs> they're asking for a small check. I'm going to stop for just a second because I need to take a drink. Like, sure. So dry here. The people that do surveys don't do it for money, but they have, some, they get something for it. And so mm-hmm. I think it's sort of like being grateful that and you're thanking them. In a way that yes. they carry that check around or get a check. And so they were very, very loyal. And I always felt like it's their data. Mm-hmm. Always felt that way. And I wanted to be thankful. So there was a company in San Diego that I, I called on. They had done something similar to Savvy Shares. They were the first company, and they're in medical, called okay. Luna, Luna DNA. They were the first company that the SEC approved where data was a form of currency. Okay. It was the first ever. Yep. They located in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I called on them and I said, look, I want to do what you did. I want to start a panel where right. people own their, their own, own data. data and own shares in the company. Mm. And the company belongs to them. So we pretty much copied them. 
because they got approval by the SEC and I knew I had to do exactly what they did. Right. Now, we are friends. The CEO and I talk yeah. all the time. And what they do is medical. They do, they get people's data so that they can work on having some big data in a database okay. where everyone owns their own health data. And they're, I think they, they're up to maybe a couple million people. Wow. Wow. And, and so it's, you know, side by side, mm. we're trying to figure out ways that we can maybe do business together. Mm-hmm. They are in the bio research field, okay. as opposed to being, you know, the more clinical, the more academic, right. as opposed to being, you know, we're in the commercial business. Sure. Yeah. So we kind of get together and talk about how we can both do something different together. We're not in, of course, in the healthcare industry, but there are some people out there. So mm-hmm. it's just been, a, it's been a wild ride yeah. because of COVID also. But yeah. I think the people that do join, I will tell you this, we have thousands of people in Savvy Shares. Okay. They like it. They are a quality panel. Okay. They're responsive. Yep. They are accurate. They spend more time on surveys and doing what they do for us. A lot of them download our app. Mm-hmm. to be able to track them because they believe in it. And we've, I think it was smart for us to, uh, in the first year to pay out to, we paid out dividends already twice mm-hmm. because I want to keep them and I want them to know that this is something that they'll have forever. They're valued, um, yeah. Yeah. And when you look at the dividend payouts compared to what you might've paid for, let's say traditional incentives, is it radically different? It is. Every share you get is worth 25 cents. Okay. And we had to do that. Uh, you kind of want to say shares are valued based on the business, mm-hmm. but we had to do that to get approval by SEC. They wanted some kind of formal sort of in, like monetarily, they had to have some kind of formal sort of like a matrix right. as to how much of the data and what people are giving is valued at. And Got so it. we had to do that. So when we pay out dividends, we figure we should be able to pay them in a couple of years through mm-hmm. the dividends. But the fact is, if you join and the company grows, you'll be able to do that and pay them over a longer period of time. Got it. And they, you know, they're people that believe in something like this. They mm-hmm. figure a $3 check isn't going to do anything for them. And they want to be part of something that's growing and new and different and own stock. Yeah. And I'd imagine, you know, the people might are perhaps savvy and not to kind of play on words there because they have to understand the concept in general, which yes. is, you know, pretty new and innovative, relatively speaking in the industry. You know, it was, it's hard to get that concept yeah. across to people that maybe never bought stock or never mm-hmm. thought about stock or, you know, nowadays when you buy stock, you go to your broker and you buy stock, you just right. don't buy stock in an individual company, unless maybe you're investing on your own and mm-hmm. you are very savvy. So it's a little bit different than even the old days when you would buy stock in in a different way. I mean, nobody can afford to buy, you know, a couple of shares of Disney. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. So so very, or a couple of shares of Google. (laughs) Roseanne, I'd love to ask you a question. When you think about, you know, leadership lessons or even, you know, when you coach employees or, you know, other people in the industry, what are some of the tips that you give emerging leaders to navigate their businesses, their careers? Are there any kind of truths that you hold dear to you and that you often share with others? 
You know, someone told me once that I have never forgotten this, that as a leader, you are on stage. Mm-hmm. Every time you go into the office, every time you do something like I'm doing now, you do a podcast right. or a webinar or a meeting, you're yes. on stage. Yes. And everybody's looking at you and you're defined by, you know, your values and doing mm-hmm. what's right or doing, you know, I feel that you have to be yourself mm-hmm. and you have to be true to yourself. And so I think it's important that you though, again, that you act like you're on stage mm-hmm. all the time. We don't use foul language, it's not acceptable. We're good to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, remember I had a phone room and I had 300 people that were making minimum wage and I had yes. people that were in development and making a lot of money. Right. So we have been wildly diverse <laughs> ever since I started. So a diversification for me started out very early on. And so I, we don't have those problems. And I never, ever would hire anybody if they look down on someone else who, was yes. in, who had a different role in my company. I love that. That's fantastic. And, and what do you see in the future, Roseanne? This is 45 years. What do you think about the things that you want to do that you haven't done yet? Oh my gosh, I've done everything. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I, you know, I've really lived. I've really done everything. Yeah. And if my kids are listening, they'll love to hear me say this. I'm I'm trying to step back and push them a little bit at a time to take over more. Nice. I know that they'd like to just throw me out and take over all of it. But I, they're not. They're not ready. I'd like to see everybody in my company have, have a great future. They've done so well. A lot of my people have been there for years and years and years and years. And I'm very, very grateful to them. So my goal is to have, is to grow enough that they do even better and they do well, either, either with me or with someone else. Mm-hmm. And that my girls take over more and more and do what's true to them. They're both very different personalities. And my older daughter, Lisa, actually started market research very early on in college. She okay. worked for Taco Bell, as a matter of fact. So wow. She's been in market research. And she left and went with nonprofit, which was her passion. And then she came back. She came back okay. a few years ago and she's done a phenomenal job on the sales side, but she also knows the business. She knows market research. So. Right. And the future is what it is. You know, every day is a new day. Yeah. Take advantage of it and be glad that I'm here and healthy and loving what I do and loving having my kids work with me. So that sounds wonderful, Roseanne. Thank you so much for joining me. And once again, congratulations so far on such an amazing journey. And I, and your values truly resonate. I 100% agree with you on being authentic and being yourself. So thank you so much. Well, Seema, it was great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course, of course. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling programming and hosting services or consultation we are agile and quick to meet your needs visit paradigmsample.com today thank you for tuning in to data gurus podcast this episode has ended but your exploration doesn't have to 
Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.